I feel that in life and in business life, love, compassion, care, support are as important as productivity, profitability, competitiveness, efficiency. Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 367. Today is Sunday the 5th of April 2020, and this interview, while recorded before the pandemic arrived, is a most timely one for those of us operating businesses. My name is Minter Dial and I'm your host for this podcast. And this week's interview is with Dr. Bruno Signaco, whom I think it's fair to say is a polymath. Bruno is an international business consultant, speaker and business coach. For over 20 years, he has advised and trained hundreds of companies on international trade activities and international marketing. He's also a principal lecturer in marketing and has published several books on business, as well as one on Huapanopano, an ancient technique used to solve problems and difficulties. His latest book, published in April 2019, is called The Art of Compassionate Business, Main Principles for the Human-Oriented Enterprise. In this conversation with Bruno, we discuss his body of work, why and how leaders need to have a human-centered approach to building their business. What does it mean to have a compassionate business? How to stimulate creativity and innovation in today's environment? And a whole lot more. I'd love it if you'd consider dropping in a review and rating after the show, and please don't forget to subscribe. Please know that you can send in your comments or questions to nminterdial at gmail.com. Now, on to the interview. Dr. Bruno Signaco, <laughs> a man of many talents, many languages, also author of many books, a teacher, a fellow, I wanted to ask you, Bruno, to introduce yourself, and then we're going to talk about some of your books, including, of course, your last one that just came out on Compassionate Business. Thank you very much for your invite. I feel very honored to be here and also to be interviewed by you. Um, I'm a lecturer, I'm a consultant, and also I'm a writer and researcher. I, I wrote different books. Some of them are based on topics related to personal development and other topics that I also research on are business topic. My new book is about social entrepreneurship, means how companies can be, for example, more uh, social focused, more human oriented. And this is probably uh, the most interesting book that I found uh, in my life. <laughs> One of the things I enjoyed in chatting with you, Bruno, getting to know you a little bit more, and, and like you talk about the human business, is more the personal side of life. And, uh, and the fact that you're a rugby player is something we share. Um, you've written a lot of books, as you say. And what was fascinating for me is I look through them. You go from marketing to international trade to self-help. Now this compassionate business. In your mind, Bruno, what is the story that connects them all? Is there some sort of narrative that says, ding, 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 this is why these are all existing? Thank you for this question. It's a very insightful question, and I have to think a little about this. Uh, the, the connection is humanness, humanity. My path through writing uh, start with some topics that are much more traditional, like business topics, and also you can see in any textbook on marketing or management. But then I found that, uh, obviously, over time, when I was writing other books, there was something that was missing that was the human side. A lot of comments on books on strategy, for example, there are a lot of comments on tactics, 
lot of comments on, for example, how to uh, be much more customer-oriented, but what these books were missing, my first book, for example, was the topic of relationship, for example, how to develop better relationship with different stakeholders or how to, for example, be much more grateful or compassionate or forgiving. So, and I felt that this was an evolution, natural evolution, because I study also metaphysics in the past and also study a topic related to personal development. I found that this was a natural evolution. It's a it's a wonderful mix, Bruno, because it's true that, you know, when you're starting off, presumably with this your PhD in metaphysics, you were also brought up by people who tended to write about very dry. Let's make money, let this be more productivity, and and I assume that that's how that went. What was the thing that made you push towards humanity more? Because you know I, I can see how textbooks are are not going to be talking about so much compassion back 20 years ago but was there an event or something that made you click into this new space thank you for this question also this is a very insightful question uh, i think that the most important point is because i'm also teaching at university i found that most of the topics that are uh, related to business are tend to be quantitative, meaning that they try to be measured. For example, objectives should be specific, measurable, attainable, time-related. But what we see in life and in business life is that most of the most important things are uh, non-quantitative, means qualitative, means, for example, camaraderie, uh, companionship, uh, loyalty. This is not measurable. You cannot measure this. And for example, goodwill cannot be measured. Mm. So when you relate to customer, when you relate to employees, the most important thing cannot be measured. There is a famous saying that is attributed to Einstein wrongly, that is, not everything that counts can be counted, and not everything that can be counted counts. So I feel that in life, and in business life, love, compassion, care, support are as important as productivity, profitability, competitiveness, efficiency. All right, so if that can't, if these things can't be measured how does one justify speaking about them to business people because you know they're shareholders and they you know at the end of the day if the share is up shares down that's a measurement yes this is a very interesting question too there is a very simple and logical conclusion that any ceo or leader can uh, draw from uh, this this topic we have to understand that business is about relationships so when company focus too much on this a key performance indicator and they try to achieve this objective of productivity efficiency they forget that these indicators are always the natural result of interaction between the company and its internal stakeholders for example employees management and its external stakeholders for example suppliers customer competitors community so if we focus too much on these indicators and we dismiss stakeholders that are the one contributing to the development of these indicators, we are placing our focus in the wrong uh, way. So we have to focus more on building up relationships, strengthening these relationships, and over time, these indicators will naturally, uh, obviously, will be achieved. Why? Because these indicators are always the result of interaction between the company and its stakeholders. 
So you cannot achieve success in business on your own. You are interconnected to suppliers, employees, community, and so on. If you don't treat them well, they won't contribute to your company's objective. So it's a, you should always look for win-win agreements or long-term relationships that are mutually beneficial. The, to, to summarize in a, a very simple point, relationships are the raw material of any business activity. If you don't care for this raw material between quoting marks, the business activity won't prosper because you have always to rely on relationship. All right, so that sounds very much in line with the letter that was written at the end of 2019 by the 181 CEOs, mostly American, who said that all stakeholders are important, not just the shareholder. Others have quickly jumped on and said, well, that's just marketing. They're just pandering to the new generations who feel that they're left out. Does the stock market believe what you're saying? And if you were talking to a hard-nosed, rational, numbers-oriented kind of guy, typically a guy, what would you be explaining to them to make them change their minds, specifically the either you know the stock market that's so short-term oriented or these hard-nosed numbers, blue, rational, cold, calculating individuals who are running so many companies today? Yes, this is a very interesting question too. So what I have to say is that you don't have to believe me what I'm saying. You have to test this in practice. The best way to do this is to put yourself in the place of others. For example, imagine that you are the customer and you're not treated in a good way by a company. Will you go back to this company? Will you recommend this company online? Hell no. Of course not. So you will live for what we call negative word of mouth, negative publicity online. So... Everyone wants to be treated as a human being, as a legitimate human being with needs that should be satisfied. So when you are relating to other uh, stakeholders, for example, customers, suppliers, employees, you have to respect them and support them because they will be contributing to your company. And also the stock chain market also generally, I'm also investing on uh, some assets and what we can see is based on expectation. This is what is going on, what might go in the future, what might mm -hmm. go on in the future. But in practice, we have to focus on the now. How are we developing this relationship? How are we contributing to this relationship? Are we supporting this customer? Are we supporting this employee? Are we, are, are we making them feel much more realized, self-realized? So if not, we are placing the focus in the wrong way. And what is important is that the only relationship that succeed in businesses in life are the ones that where both parties are fully satisfied. If you sell customer good and you get a lot of profit, high profit, and customer feel rip off, this is a win-lose. You will win, customer will lose. But this relationship will end because customer will switch from your company to competitor. But also, you won't only lose this customer. You will lose this customer and other potential customers that could have been recommended by this customer. So we have to think long term because when you think only what is going on uh, now and you think, think about this only as a transaction and you don't think about the relationship, this tends to be a very short-sighted. Try to develop as a company, as a leader, as a CEO, long-term relationship with others because your business will respond positively because 
is built up of all these relationships. So it's made up of all these relationships. And also try to be yourself in the place of others, how you will feel if you are an employee and you are made overwork for weeks without recognition. Will you feel uh, very well appreciated? Not at all. So you shouldn't be, so this is the golden rule too, you shouldn't be treating others as mm. you don't want to be treated. But this is that tend to be so intuitive and also supported by many philosophy, philosophical uh, school of thought. In practice it's not applicable because they are thinking only about the main objective, the bottom line, and we have to look for the triple bottom line. Getting profit means being uh, profitable. This is important for survival and thriving, but also being caring with people and being caring with the planet. Right, the famous triple bottom line. So you, you wrote The Art of Compassionate Business, Main Principles for the Human-Oriented Enterprise which was pre uh, published uh, in 2019 uh, by a, an imprint of Rutledge Group. The case for compassion, because you use compassionate, how did you decide that the word compassionate, because there are other words, you could have had sympathetic, you could have had empathetic, you could have had nice. You chose compassionate. Give me the business case for compassion. Yes, compassion is a word that tends to be much more accepted. My original word to be used in the title was love. But it so was probably a stronger word. But compassion is a byproduct of love, alongside, for example, care, support, empathy. Compassion is important because you, you can take perspective of what other people are feeling, what other people are, for example, when they're affected by problems, you can not only think how they will think about this problem, but also you can feel on an emotional level how they will be feeling regarding this problem and also in some cases compassion is important because you when they need you can provide them with help so compassion is important uh, in a way that is a very well-defined word of supporting others caring for others and also taking into account what they might be thinking being in their shoes but also also connecting to them on an emotional level. So very important because people in many relationships, including business relationships, tend to shut down. They don't connect on an emotional level. And many psychologists like Daniel Goleman highlighted that it's important to connect to one another on an emotional level. This is part of the emotional intelligence skill. So compassion couldn't have been a much more appropriate word. Mm -hmm. Now my original thought was love, what could have been probably much more contentious. All right, well, so compassion. With your uh, Italian and Spanish and Portuguese background, it's a Latin word. Does that flavor the way you look at the word? You know, for us Anglo-Saxons, we, we look at it, we've adopted the word, as you, we were talking about before. Words are just on a paper. Each person you know, attributes different meanings and values to them. Compassion. How does that, or compartir is the word that I was thinking about to share in Spanish. Okay. How, does, how does that change the way you viewed it with your Latin background? Okay, well, because uh, Latin-rooted uh, communities are tend to be much more, uh, obviously, less individualistic and tend to be much more focused on building up relationships. Obviously, the, the communities that are much more based on Anglo-Saxon background tend to be, according to many studies, much more individualistic. But this can be applied to any community and any cultural environment, not only in a country, but also within a company. What uh, showed me this, all this research, is that 
There are two main ways to relate to people. One that is based on uh, love, that is love from the wider perspective, not romantic love, but love that includes care, support, acknowledgement, respect, and so on. This is expansive. You can connect, you can help one another. This is uplifting, very, very important. And you are recognizing another person as a legitimate human being. So you are recognizing that we, we share, all of us, all together, we share a common trait that is our humanity, humanness. The other way to relate to people is much more based on fear, means mm -hmm. that you tend to shut down and you tend to adopt what we call a freeze, fight, fly mode. And this implies that you tend to be uh, non-cooperative, in some cases you try to compete to defeat others this is very common in the business environment mm -hmm. use of words such as strategy tactics position mm -hmm. flanks this is belligerent vocabulary like <laughs> <laughs> and what happens when you defeat others there will be always a, a winner and a loser and uh, this is not sustainable in the long term because if you are getting all the gains and other people are losing uh, Nobody will be happy and relationship cannot be sustained over time. The best way to cooperate is to focus on others, recognize their needs, try to satisfy in the best way, and these people will tend to reciprocate. There is a principle of reciprocity that people tend to give back when you are genuine, when you are authentic, when you try to support them without second intentions. So tell us about in the art of compassionate business, what are some of the principles? Because if you're trying to bring this idea of compassionate business into a business, I have to believe that the leader has to believe. If the, believe, if the leader is not on the same page, then it's a no-go. You might have as many apostles as you think underneath who believe, but if the top doesn't go, then nothing happens. What are the principles that make or can help inscribe compassion into business? Very important question. Uh, thank you very much. Some principle and some simple tips that not only leaders, I believe that this can go top, bottom, or bottom, top. Uh, leaders and also employees are gratefulness, gratitude. Try to appreciate the work of others. You need others for the company to succeed. Appreciation doesn't mean paying a bonus for their contribution. It means, for example, a, a handwritten note, a thank you note, and acknowledging them publicly when possible, having some event to celebrate achievements and cooperation from different employees. So this could be a very important principle, gratefulness. Another important point is generosity. Many companies always try to get more profit, get more sale, get more customer, get more market share, always obtaining. And we see that in the universe, everything tends to be in a state of balance. It's an inflow, outflow. The, the breathing is inflow, in, in breathing, out breathing. So, and also this is in life and business activity. If you focus so much on obtaining, getting, and you don't give anything, only you give to greenwash or to clean your image, for example, like some type of corporate social responsibility activities, you tend to be in, in a state of imbalance. So the best way to give is, for example, employees might need support. You can, for example, give additional training. You can give an ear, for example, when they have personal problems with the family. 
is they, they shouldn't be talking only about business in companies. There could be some problem, for example, divorce or illnesses. Well, the employee should be supported and should be given a space to convey their fears, their challenges, and also not being judged, but also giving some important resources for employees to be carrying out their activities. And I see some companies that don't have the minimal resources for them to be, and also giving then the, the power to decide what we call delegating. So some employees are micromanaged. Why? Because the, 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 the CEOs or managers are fearful of employees making mistakes. They're not children. They're trying to contribute in the best way. Ca can you uh, give then the, the power to make the decision and also giving implies giving thanks most of the important things that are given are intangible means. We're not talking about payment or we're not talking about material things. Could be giving thanks, giving appreciation, giving recognition. So these things will be important. So we're talking about gratitude. We're talking about generosity. We're talking about also authentic conversation. Most of the business conversation are a means to an end. So we will talk in this meeting about the objective to be achieved uh, at the end of the year. What about the person itself? Why don't we make every conversation focus on the person as an end, not as a means to an end? This is very important because if you only focus on the business side of this person, mean the role and the function, you are dismissing emotional aspect, spiritual aspect, physical aspect, that intellectual aspect that are as important as the business aspect. Mm -hmm. So these are three tips that I can give the, the listener uh, to, to follow on. And this is a good start. Some companies might want to change everything uh, overnight, but you should start with a small, a small gestures means, for example, a five minutes conversation with different employees to know what are their fears, their expectation, the, what, the, what are their plans for the future. This could help a lot because employees feel in a state of what we call psychological safety, I mean, they feel at ease, they don't feel like a threatened. The employees want to contribute, in most cases, very willingly. But in practice, they feel, in some cases, that they're pressurized, they, they make them overwork, they feel stressed, and they don't. this doesn't allow them to give their best, uh, and it doesn't enhance their skill. In some cases, employees are also making, uh, uh, like, a working uh, in a repetitive way with the same task, and this is also demotivating employees. So uh, I, I hear you, of course, Bruno, and, and I subscribe to everything you said. Yet, there's always a but. Yeah, yeah. When you're dealing with businesses today, I mean, business people who are listening to this will say, yeah, but, but yeah, it's nice, but. You know, I don't have time to listen to someone moan on about some little problem they've had at home, some emotional a catastrophe that they've had. I'm not here a psychologist. There's a wall between professional and personal. If they want to go see a psychologist, they can hire a therapist. Uh, at work, we're here to please the shareholder. We've got to get the results. So it seems like you could uh, open a Pandora's box of, of having everybody talk about their emotional situations and listening to everything. How do you contour that? Because there's a tension between profit, people, and planet, and the tension is drawn by profit, which is the final conclusion of whether you can survive or not. Yes, this is a very good question too. So we have to understand that the profit don't come from the sky, they don't come from a river, from the sea. 
the profit always comes from people. So most companies get the profit from their sales. They get the profit from uh, relating to customer. Supposing that we are treating customer and employee that are obviously the interface between the company and customer. In the wrong way, we are treating them negatively. This will affect the sales. So this means that uh, you are not taking into account the source of sales in, in, in the best way, in the business way, and you're focusing only on the objective in an abstract way. Profit always comes from people. So the profit are generated from people. So this means that a customer buy from your company will contribute to company sales, and this will uh, obviously will be part of profits. Now, in practice, employees should be treated in the best way, in a, in a way that could be recognized, that should be appreciated, because employees need to be uh, feeling part of this company, need to feel that they are contributing to this company. But also we can say this is only being like a bit uh, emotionally based. Well, employees will have emotion even when you don't recognize them. So if you don't recognize the employee's emotion, they will be suppressing or repressing. And this will be affecting productivity. This will be affecting efficiency. This will be affecting effectiveness. You cannot leave the emotional side, the spiritual side, the physical side of employees at home and only ask them to bring their work side because we are human beings and we are holistic. This implies different parts that are interacting with one another. This means that we have emotional parts that are interacting with intellectual parts, with physical parts, the spiritual part. And if you only uh, consider a fragment of the person means this is a role and we want only this employee to perform their activity, you're forgetting that before the role, this was a person and it's still a person, it's a human being. So you cannot compartmentalize, mm -hmm. means that getting into compartment, you say, no, only bring me one part of you, this part is the only one that is useful, and leave all the rest of you, all the, it's like it sound a bit funny, the rest of you leave this at home, we don't want any problem. There are many studies about work-life balance, and the, the study obviously corroborates this fact. When employees have good work-life balance, they tend to be more productive. When employees are overworked and, and also get into burnout and stress and so on, they tend to be less productive. This is science and also cannot be, most of the study corroborate the same fact. So in practice, when you treat employees in a holistic way, you are benefiting, not only employees, but also benefiting the overall a set of activities in your company from the business perspective. One of the things I've observed, Bruno, is that a lot of CEOs, chief executives anyway, let's say that they've gotten there because they had a high degree at university, they've, or they have achieved very great things. Maybe they have superpowers and are, are over-endowed in certain characteristics. But that's not going to be the same, the case for everybody. And it feels for me that self-awareness and the ability for the chief executive to relate to everybody's emotions is enormously challenging because, well, I, I got to where I got to. They just need to buck up and, and do what I did to get to if they want to progress. How does one, how does a, a leader convert to your idea in a daily basis? I mean, you talked about being genuine or authentic before. If I if I read your book and the next morning I come in and start hugging everybody, they'll be like full of shit. Okay. So what what should leaders be trying to do as they 
as they move into business, coming and, and trying to relate to a larger number of people's emotions. Okay. What, what ideas would you give them? The, the, the one important idea, thank you for your question, one important idea will be that focus much more on what is important and less on what is urgent. The development of relationship is important. Might not sort out short-term problems, but also you are building up a, a very important what we call human capital, a group of people that are contributing in a friendly way to your company. And this is so important because, because you are so focused on the short-term, what we call short-termism, uh, you are dismissing what is the most important factor in any business success, that is relationship, human resources, I don't like the word human resources. Mm -hmm. So focus much more on what is important. Steve Covey said that you have a, a very important set of activities that are urgent, that you have to deal this, with this, but also at the same time you have to deal with what is important. For example, training people to enhance their skill is, might not be urgent, but it's important for them to feel realized, to enhance their strengths, capability. Uh, paying the bills is urgent, but also we can also create a balance between what is urgent and also what is important. For example, having conversations that are non-business ones with different employees to know if they have any frustration, any, any feeling that was not acknowledged, and even feeling, we have to bring feelings in the workplace and in business because I'm not the first one to talk about this. There are many books about emotional intelligence at work, mm -hmm. in the workplace, and so we have to bring the full human being at work and not only focus on what is short-term oriented. So all relationships, from my perspective, that are willing to, obviously, to sustain are the ones that are beyond the short-term. We don't want transactional relationship. We don't want one-off interaction. We want a continuous series of interaction with employees, but also with customers. What is loyalty? Loyalty is the customer coming once and again. If the customer is not loyal, this will be only short-term oriented. We want to build with customer, but also with employees, with the community, long-term relationship. To do this, we have to balance what is urgent, means paying the bills, like, a, like putting off fires, but also what is important, building up relationship and so on. So Bruno, in listening, it makes me think of the difference between a date, okay. a one-time date, and la familia. La because family is messy, it's complicated, it's long-term. So. I, I tend to make a little parallel between the relationship between you and employees. You go in day in, day out. The, the customer is more like a date. Of course, you have loyal customers where you can build up a relationship, but it's more ad hoc. You have specific moments when the customer is coming to you, but every day the employee is coming in. How do you distinguish then what's between what's important and what's urgent and, and specifically how, with regard to employees, how do you allow for the time to have these important conversations? Because it seems like we're, we're always running up against the clock. Yes, very important. Uh, so what we have to understand that every person, every human being, including employees, have needs. Employees have needs not only to get a good salary and also a safe place to work, but also they have other needs for example, that are not so obvious, like recognition, 
independence regarding their decision. So any CEO and or manager should ask themselves this question. Am I recognizing the most important needs of these employees beyond the economic aspects? So what are the specific needs? In case of doubt, you have to talk to employees to know what the needs are. So, but why this is so important? Because if you satisfy only few needs, for example, the basic one like economic or safety, these are the basic one, but you don't satisfy, for example, need for recognition, learning new things, employee will feel frustrated all the same, even when you pay a good salary. So, and why the needs are so important? Because only relationship can prosper when both parties have their needs satisfied. Not only the company, but also employees. Not only the company, but customer. So the only way to satisfy needs, the first step is to first to know what the needs are about and also acknowledge these needs and also try to approach them in the in the best way to satisfy them on a continuous basis. And this creates reciprocity because when employees feel that they're recognized, they're not made overwork, they're not feeling stressed, they, they are not micromanaged, they have some independent, and also they, they are caring for their family life, not only work life. Employees tend to cooperate. We need cooperate. You cannot force cooperation. You cannot go with a gun and tell employees to cooperate. But when employees feel recognized and feel supported as a human being, they tend to willingly cooperate, go the extra mile. They tend to contribute to this company in a loving way because they want to support the company. They feel with indebted, mean that they feel they, they, in a way that they want to give back to this company because they feel very well appreciated. So I have three things just to <coughs> conclude that I, I've taken away from this conversation with you, Bruno. The first is, if you don't know what their needs are, go out and ask them. Two is write down what is important. And I think that the interesting thing there is not to say that everything is important, but be strategic in the way you go about it and put on a piece of paper somewhere. These are the three things that I want to focus on because you can't do everything right away. That's just the, the, way, the nature of resources. And finally, the, the last thing, which is personal for me, which is I, I often talk about the ability to tap into discretionary energy. But the word that you kept on using for me, which is something I should probably write, <laughs> inscribe into my new book, is this notion of reciprocity, that they, they will give back to you if you know how to give to them. So you'll get back if you give. Bruno, how can someone get your new book uh, on the compassionate business entitled The Art of Compassionate Business, Main Principles of the Human-Oriented Enterprise, and of course connect with you or follow what you're up to? Thank you very much for this question. First of all, I want to be very appreciative for having invited me to this interview. I really appreciate your podcast and, and I recommend and endorse your podcast. Secondly, uh, the book can be found, The Art of Compassionate Business, Main Principle for the Human-Oriented Enterprise, by, by Rutledge 2019, can be found offline in any bookshop or online, Amazon and any other online bookstore. And also, if they want to know more about me, my main website is www.humanorientedenterprise.com. www.humanorientedenterprise.com. You can find me on LinkedIn also if you want to join me. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Bruno. Continue on a lovely message and uh, hopefully make this world a better place at the same time. Thank you very much again. Thank you for your for the invite. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on MinterDial.com. 
If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. And to finish, here's a song I wrote with Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man.
world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.